In this episode of The Interface, I chat with Gary Routledge, EMEA Region Engineering Manager for Amphenol Backplane and System Integration. Gary has been with Amphenol since 2011, first at Amphenol TCS before moving to ABSI. We talk about the challenges of working on custom IT datacom designs that can take years to come to fruition. We talk about utilizing the vertical integration of Amphenol Corporation to help him with backplane design wins. We talk about expanding into different markets as high speeds and backplane technology evolves. And we talk about being from Northern England and finding a home in Sweden. This is The Interface. So first of all, thank you for joining me today. Uh, you, as, as well as I, are still working from home during this COVID-19 pandemic around the world. But nevertheless, we still get to talk to uh, people all through all throughout Amphenol. And Gary, uh, for the first time, get to talk to someone from ABSI, Amphenol Backplane, Backplane and System Integration. So for people who don't know what ABSI is and what they do, uh, pretend I have no idea. What would you What would you tell me about ABSI? Yeah. Hi, Chris. Um, well, so ABSI, so the acronym stands for Amphenol Backplane Assembly and System Integration. So we design and assemble and test backplanes or PCBAs, um, printed circuit board assemblies, and we also offer system integration. For the backplanes, I mean, that is a, a core part of our business, um, but we also expand into the PCBA and we also do the system integration too. So when you work with customers, right, because everything that you do is a, for the most part, is a custom solution that you're working with customers on designing and all that. So can you just talk through how a typical customer interaction would work from you know, the beginning of discussions all the way through the end of manufacturing their, their initial orders? Yeah, sure. So traditionally, as you say, we've always dealt a lot with the IT datacom markets mm -hmm. and they predominantly have customized solutions. And by customized, what we mean is um, everything that they design is proprietary to themselves. So we can start with a blank piece of paper. The connector choice hasn't been made. Mm -hmm. um, they the architecture necessarily hasn't been made. So as I say, it's a blank piece of paper. So we sit down with their engineers and we ask what they want, what's their requirements, what's the data rates, what are they trying to achieve? And they give us their specification, whether it's electrical specification or mechanical specification. And then we start the process of choosing or recommending a connector choice, although the customer might already have identified the connector. Mm -hmm. um, but if the connected choice is open, then of course we like to try and promote Amphenol wherever we can. So um, our very close ties with the ICC over the years has meant that we have a, a really strong relationship with the connector group as well. So we're able to support the customer on the connector side of things as well. Um, through that as well, we help them with the signal integrity simulation. Again, through um, our collaboration with the ICC. So we can do the simulation for the customer. Um, we can recommend also PCB materials. We have a lot of history working with different PCB manufacturers around the world, along with APC. And so all the pre-engineering work, all the hardware specification we can do for the customer. And then we turn that into the electrical design, whether it's schematic design, um, and then the PCB layout. 
and then we get the PCB fabricated. We source the bomb, and then we assemble the backplane either in our uh, Mexicali facility mm-hmm. or Shangzhou or in uh, Japan as well. So there's three manufacturing locations we have. And then once the the prototype is developed, we take it into the signal integrity lab. We run some measurements and take some tests to ensure it performs as the customer requires. And then we hopefully ship it back to the customer, um, right first time design, and the customer's happy and we produce uh, the next stage, which is production. So it is a complicated process from beginning to end working with a customer, unlike a lot of other Amphenol divisions where they could have catalog items, um, commodity style products where you just find it in a catalog, you see a part number, you order it, um, it's built and shipped out. Those divisions still go through the process that you're just talking about, but you do it 100% of the time. Correct. Well, yeah, so up until two or three years ago, that was very much the approach we had, especially mm-hmm. for the IT data com world. And when the customer comes to us, of course, we don't have a catalog of products. It's, it's a custom solution for the customer. Right. And so it is a, um, it can be a long process to d- develop this with the customer. Sure. Um, but because we've been doing this for more than 30 years, then we have a way of providing value add to the customer to make this process easier for them. And that that is part of ABSI's appeal to customers mm-hmm. is we are specialists in the backplane. Quite often, sometimes a customer will leave the backplane to the end because they don't necessarily consider it to be such a crucial element of the system. But then they do find that the backplane does actually take up a lot of the uh, signal integrity channel budget required for the system to work. And that's why they can come to us with the knowledge we've been doing this for over 30 years. We're a safe pair of hands and we have all the expertise and knowledge to help them. So that's a good point, is trying to convince customers earlier in the process, the design process, that this is vitally important. One of the most, if not the most important piece to their system is getting the backplane correct. So how do you go about that with a customer if they're unsure, like, I'm not sure yet, and I don't know how important this is. I'm making a you know worst case scenario. But what's your pitch then for ABSI? to be a, a very close partner with them in making sure that they do this the right way? Part of it to start with is actually the connected discussion. Mm-hmm. It's showing our value as part of the Amphenol Corporation, right. how we're able to leverage our um, partnerships with other departments within Amphenol. Certainly AICC with regard to the connector. Um, and certainly now since... Um, FCI came on board as well. We've actually expanded that through Airmax and other connector yeah. families. So being able to sit down with the customer and speak about the channel budget from the signal integrity point of view, what are they trying to achieve with the connectors? So by starting with the connectors, we're showing a value which a lot of our other competitors don't have. They don't have this vertical integration that we have with Anamphenol. We are very, very strong in doing this and we work very well closely within the other organizations of Amphenol. So find, understanding the customer, what they need to start with, and then having that connected discussion, understanding the PCB technologies as well is another important part of it. Mm-hmm. And just showing through a very simple slide deck of three or four slides of past designs we've done, past case studies, 
we can show and influence the customer that we are the people that choose to help them with their design. And of course, it isn't just the design. Um, we we don't do uh, backplane assembly only if we design the backplane too. We build the print so that the customer can supply us with their Gerber files and their bomb, mm -hmm. and we can build it that way. In fact, probably most of our business is done that way. I see. But certainly our upfront engineering is considered a value add that we offer to our customers. Now, obviously, you mentioned that being a part of Amphenol um, and having access to such a a vast interconnect portfolio has helped. And you've been a part of Amphenol for, you said about nine years, you told me before we started here. And the first part of your career there was uh, for Amphenol TCS, which is based out of Nashua, New Hampshire, but you were a field applications engineer in Europe. So how much of that has helped you? Or what was that role like for you when you first started with him? I know you had done uh, some PCB layout and design before coming to Amphenol, but then you got hired by TCS uh, as a field applications engineer, what were you, you know, what was your kind of day-to-day -day role there? And then how much did that help you as you're now an engineering manager for ABSI? Oh, it helped immensely. Yeah. The, I mean, the training we receive as well. So even though I'm based in Europe and I'm based in Sweden, I would visit, visit the Nashua office mm -hmm. three or four times a year. And um, so we would get in-depth connected training. We would speak with the SI guys there as well. Right. And very much from a ground up um, training, we would get on connectors. And the thing that you've got to understand with a connector is the connector can be great, put it onto a bad PCB and you have a bad system. Yeah. So you need to understand the full channel from yeah. start to finish. And working with now AICC guys, um, they clearly helped with us to help us learn that um data rate technologies, the signal integrity, the insertion loss, all these crazy little graphs that we see with lines on that nobody understands. Um, <laughs> I don't. That's what they helped us to learn, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like I say, I, I'm, not, I'm not educated in signal integrity. I'm trained in signal in integrity. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't have the depth of knowledge that the guys in the, IC, the ICC have, for example, Chris Hurd, but I'm able to sit down comfortably with a customer and ask the questions I need to ask. And that's largely due to the training we had at the start as well. And that has to be a tremendous sense of comfort then in knowing with a customer, uh, even you as the engineering manager for ABSI, there's still so many areas of this type of design and manufacturing that you might not be an expert with. Um, and if you're with a smaller company where you're just doing this, it might be a little daunting to be in front of a customer. But being part of Amphenol, you get asked those questions and you can probably confidently say, well, I'm, here's what I know, but I know that there's an expert that knows way more than me as well. I mean, do you utilize that often for some of your uh, solutions? Exactly. Yeah, I do 100%. Yeah. I think one of the things I learned very early when sitting face to face with a customer as well is, is don't pretend you have all the answers. Right. If you don't know something, come out, be clean and say, yes, okay, I'm not too sure about that, but I definitely have somebody who can help me with that. Yeah. And providing you're able to come back to the customer with an answer within a reasonable amount of time, they're happy with that. You sure. Know? Um, so long as you're open and honest and you're responsive to the customer, uh, there's no problem at all in admitting that you don't know something absolutely yeah and 
I'm sure you're learning probably every day still, um, you know, even for something like you said with signal integrity and trying to understand the intricacies of that and those, you know, funny little graphs that you see with squiggly lines all over the place. I've <laughs> yep. seen them as well. And I just kind of, oh, sure. Yes, I can see that there's lines on this graph and there's colors. So it looks like it's important. That's about the extent of my knowledge with that. But Yeah. And it's, I mean, the conversations we have with the customer. So the signal integrity is only part of it as well. Right. Um, right. The thing with the uh, backplane is assembly technology. So engineering is the first part of it, but we know with the evolution of technology and with the evolution of connected technology, the compliant pins are constantly getting smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, we need to consider the signal integrity aspect of things. But what's becoming more and more important as well is the manufacturing environment too. We've got to make sure that these very small pins or inserted into the PCB correctly. And these pins are, are less than one millimeter long. Yeah. And you're not inserting one pin into one hole. You're inserting hundreds of pins into 100 holes right. blind as well. You know, you've got to use automated equipment to do this. And so just one simple little bent pin, whether it's introduced as a assembly defect, that can bring the whole system down. So we have the the tools and the equipment in place for x-ray machines and electrical tests and signal integrity tests just to try and capture manufacturing induced faults such as bent pins etc so you can spend one year designing the most perfect channel for your signal mm -hmm. but if it isn't assembled properly then it's not going to work so we know certainly from our experience in the it datacom world with the smaller compliant pins and the connected technology We've had to come up the scale with regards to learning back drill tolerances and PCB materials and all these other things required at the high speed. Yeah. Because years ago, everybody said, yeah, copper backplanes, they're going to no longer work once you go past one gigabit. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, yes, we got to five gigabits. Then we yeah. got to 10, 16, 25. And we're working at 56 gigabit PAM4 backplanes now. Yeah. And... I'm pretty sure we'll get to 112 gig as well. So we're always expanding the, the horizon of where we can get to with copper backplanes. And we've done that successfully over 20, 30 years. I mean, 15 years ago, nobody thought copper backplanes would reach anywhere near 56 gigabits per second. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are, where we have designs in production now at 56 gigabits per second. So who knows where we can be in five years' time. As you pointed out earlier in the conversation, You've mainly been focusing for ABSI on the IT datacom market, but I know recently too that ABSI is looking to get into some newer markets like military and aerospace market. So can you just talk a little bit about what the intention is and, and what the goals are for ABSI in getting into that market and, and partnering with some of the other Amphenol divisions that are already well established there? Yeah, sure. So... As we mentioned, we, we have been traditionally strong in IT datacom. And the IT datacom has been going through a bit of a change as well over the last three or four years. Architecture changes where um, maybe they've changed to a cable solution or maybe they've changed the architecture away from a traditional copper backplane. So we've had to diversify as well to ensure um, we don't just rely on the IT datacom world. 
and so the embedded market um, typically has a presence in, as you mentioned, mill aero, but also industrial, commercial air, real transport, medical. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of other markets which we haven't typically been working in with ABSI over the last 20, 30 years. And the reason why we're moving into these markets as well is we're seeing an evolution in technology in these markets. Some of these applications, whether it's a BME 64X backplane or compact PCI, they are what we would consider to be very low speed. They are mm-hmm. sub one gigabit per second systems. And so these can be designed relatively easy and they can be assembled quite easily as well. So if you have a, a local manufacturer, they just need to have a hand to toggle press and they can make these in the corner of a factory somewhere. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is in the embedded world markets is they're going through an evolution of technology. The data rates are um, climbing like they did in the IT datacom world. And where we find ourselves with the standard backplay market is pretty much where the IT datacom market was 10 years ago. When the IT datacom market came up to about the 10 gigabit per second data rate technology, probably about 10 years ago in the mainstream, this is where standard backplanes is now. Mm -hmm. And it's a change in engineering and it's a change in manufacturing as well. So we see potential in these markets where we're able to offer something to these people. We're able to offer a solution for a problem they may have because they're not used to high speed mm-hmm. designs. And we've been doing this for 10, 15 years at these data rates. So they don't have to think about coming up the technology curve and taking two or three years to get there. They don't have to reinvent the wheel as such in order for their system to go to a high data rate. We're already already there. We have the infra- infrastructure in place. We've been doing it for a long time. And we're also backplane specialists. It's what we do every day. So we feel that we have relevance to these markets because we can help them come up the technology curve. Not just for this technology curve as well, but thinking about five years in the future, right? 10 years in the future. So if these guys are coming up to 10 gigabits now, and then next year or later this year, they'll be going up to 25 gigabits. We can help them with that as well. Mm-hmm. They don't need to switch a supplier at all. They, they can, we can help them from 10, 10 gigabits to 25 gigabits to 56 gigabits in 10 years' time, for example. Mm-hmm. So the traditional manufacturer you have now, they have a strategic decision to make. Do they continue to supply the standard backplane market when it's going through this technology change because they would have to upgrade their equipment to have better press machines and maybe x-ray machines and um, signal integrity analysis certainly they would require that and so what do they want to do do they want to outsource the backplane element of any design they're doing to somebody like us or do they take the strategic decision to invest in capex which is going to take years and years down the line for them to get any kind of payback on there. So we feel as though we have a lot to offer because we've been doing this for many years. We don't need to come up with technology curve. We don't need to invest. We can give them their solution today. And how has your collaboration been with the other Amphenol divisions as you start to, you know, in essence, dip your toe more into these markets? Yeah, well, obviously with Amphenol Aerospace, we've worked, been working a lot with because 
one of the standard back pain markets um, has Vita products, which mm -hmm. is the VPX connector. Right. And Amphenol Aerospace has the RVPX connector. Right. Um, so they are already offering Amphenol product to these markets as well. And so they've been helping us to understand the connector and also helping us understand a bit about the Vita standards as well. Right. So there's the collaboration with them on their side and they're coming out with their latest uh, connector system as well, aimed at VPX. So obviously we have expertise in the back plane side. They have expertise in the connector side. So it makes sense that we join forces to try and push this out to the market. And, and we've had joint advertising in some of the industry magazines. Mm -hmm. um, we have joint initiatives where we help each other with simulations or um, ask each other questions about what shall I do with this design to get the most out of VPX, et cetera. So it's been a very good working relationship with the guys at Amphal Aerospace too. No, that's great. And, you know, always love to hear the, the stories of collaborations between divisions, um, not only within business groups, you know, operating groups, but, you know, especially when you expand into others. So you have the military and aerospace group helping out the ICC group and, and working well together. That's always a great thing. So, you know, kudos to you and the AAO team for collaborating on this. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be many others as well. You are based out of Sweden, right? I don't detect a very Swedish accent from you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could try and speak Swedish, but then I'd probably offend a lot of Swedish people. But um, I no, I'm from the north of England. Yeah. Um, just south of Newcastle. And my accent actually is normally much stronger than this. Yeah. But I'm trying to be polite um, so that people can understand me. And I had to change actually when I came to Sweden because people could not understand my accent. Yeah. So I had to kind of soften it down a bit. Yeah, but, um, I, I know the feeling. But as soon as I start speaking to my colleagues in Ireland and Scotland, then I, I kind of revert to type because they are just as bad as... <laughs> Uh, I am from the north of England. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I understand the feeling. So, but you've been in Sweden now. How long have you lived in Sweden with your family? Yeah, it'll be nine years now. And yeah. you, you like it? Yeah, I, I love it here. Yeah. I mean, it's, I can't ever imagine moving back um, to the UK. Yeah. Um, just simply because of the lifestyle we have here. I mean, the Swedes are very much outdoors people. They love their nature. Yeah. I love my fishing as well. So it, it's a win-win situation for me. Yeah. Um, even in the middle of wintertime, minus 15 degrees centigrade, people will be walking through the woods having a barbecue yeah. and things, you know. So, Anything you miss know. about England? Yeah, there's lots I miss. I miss warm, fizzy beer. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean, some of the foods, I mean, yeah. England isn't really famous for its food, but it, the home comforts, you know. Sure, sure. Um, so things like, yeah. I guess only people from the north of England will understand if I say a peas pudding sandwich. Um, that's a, a delicacy you have to try at some point, along with the Swedish delicacy called the uh, seerströmming, which is um, basically stinky, rotten fish. Oh. And uh, I've seen a lot of people trying to eat this, and it's it's considered to be the worst food in the world. So. <laughs> Just that, that sounds. There's nothing that sounds good about that at all. But um, as daring as I am, I'd probably at least try it if I was there. 
but it's one of those things you have to you have to tick the box and say you've done it exactly yes yeah i don't know if i'd you know go skydiving or anything like that but i'd eat some stinky fish so yeah I'm, I'm well maybe you. you can skydive and eat stinky fish at the same time that now that <laughs> that's sounds the like a deal <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, Gary, I really appreciate you taking time today to talk to me about ABSI. Um, and for people who don't know a lot about what you do and how you guys are trying to expand, um, I, I think it was very helpful for me to understand what you're doing. And, and hopefully some people really enjoy this and you get a couple of contacts out of it. So my best to you and the family during this time as well. Same to you, Chris. Uh, thanks for your time as well. And be safe. And I hope to speak soon.